Hey everybody, here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Really appreciate you being here today. It is officially mini camp week in Green Bay. Green Bay is said to have three practices, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, all of them open to the media. Have not seen yet if any of them are going to be open to the public. Usually there is one that's open to the public, but have not seen anything posted quite yet. So I will keep you posted once we get a notification on that. Usually Thursday's practice is canceled and that is used as a team building activity. They've done bowling, they've done paintballing, they've done a variety of different things in the past. So we'll see what they end up doing this week, but my guess is there's probably not going to be a Thursday mini camp, but we will get Tuesday and Wednesday in all likelihood. And of course, I'll have them covered for you here, right here on the Packaday podcast. So make sure to subscribe if you have not already. But with mini camp, week on the way, that means OTAs are officially done. And we had the opportunity from a media standpoint to see three of those OTAs. Remember, Green Bay had nine OTA practices. So we got to see exactly one third of what happened. And we did not also get privy or access to all of those three OTAs. So we we got to see the majority of them. There's a little bit done beforehand and things like that, but we got to see the vast majority of those three practices. But still, even if if that was all of those three practices, we saw a third of what was actually taking place during OTA week. But still, with us getting you know to see three of those open practices, we did get to take away a lot from just those three practices. So what I wanted to do today, obviously I've had my three immediate reaction episodes to each of those individual individual OTA session. So if you want the deep dive into all three of those, you can certainly go listen to those. But what I figured I would do today is just basically go back and review everything all encompassing. What were my main takeaways from the three OTAs that were open to us? So let's start right away with a topic that I don't think got a ton of discussion and maybe it was just expected and maybe everyone just assumed that it was going to happen, but it was a really good piece of news for Packer fans nonetheless. And that was that we saw David Bakhtiari in that last OTA session that was open to the media actually do team drills. 
if you would have told me that maybe in week two of training camp that David Bakhtiari was just starting to ramp up to do team drills, that would not have shocked me at all. And it's not necessarily because he's injured or coming back from injury or anything like that. But just if you would have told me they were being extremely cautious and they didn't have him do any real work in OTAs or mini camp, at least when it came to team drills, and even in you know opening training camp weeks, they were sort of cautious with him, that would not have surprised me in any capacity just because of some of the knee issues that he he's gone through in the past. So the fact that they felt confident enough that he was already doing some team activities in OTAs is extremely encouraging for me. Now, to be fair, he took extremely limited team snaps in that third OTA practice that was open. He did, I think he missed one of the other ones, if I remember correctly. And I think just did individuals in the other one that it doesn't matter either way, but there was very limited team drills that he ultimately did in the three practices that we saw. And it was just in the last one, but still the fact that he is practicing, the fact that he is doing individual work, the fact that he is now doing some teamwork to me is extremely encouraging. I know they've talked about in the past that they're very hopeful and confident that this entire knee injury is behind Bakhtiari and he's going to be able to continue with a normal NFL career from here on out. But color me skeptical after it took so incredibly, at least I was skeptical, I should say, you know, after everything has taken as long as it did. And last year, remember there was a game that his knee just flared up and he wasn't able to play in. So I, you know, I was still concerned going into this offseason of like, are we going to get another unsure offseason of like, all right, is Bakhtiari going to be ready? Is he going to start, you know, having some injury issues again? Are there going to be more flare-ups? And so far, I think this is a very, very positive sign for Bakhtiari and the Packers. And hopefully, fingers crossed, this entire knee issue is in fact behind David Bakhtiari. He deserves it. He works insanely hard. He's one of the best offensive linemen in all of football, one of the best offensive tackles in all of football. And you just want to see him be being able to go out there and play and perform at the level that he's capable of performing at because he is one of the greats at his position. And you always want to see the greats out there on the field, you know, performing their craft and just being able to watch them and enjoy what they do on a week to week basis. Not to mention the fact that he's an insanely important player for this Packers team. And I'm really excited to see what Bakhtiari and Jenkins can do back sort of reunited as the power duo on the left side of the Packers offensive line with hopefully an entirely healthy 2020. 23 season on the way. All right, so that was number one. Number two is I would say Jordan Love has been as expected so far. Now, a couple things that I want to talk about here. The first thing is I want to go OTA by OTA, meaning I want to compare his rookie season to his second year, to his third year, to his fourth year. There has been a steady progression every single year. His rookie year, fish out of water, did not look ready, did not look anywhere near ready to be a starting caliber quarterback, much less a backup quarterback, which is why Tim Boyle beat him out in his rookie year, despite being a first round pick, despite you know Tim Boyle having to fight for his job again that season. It was clear that it was going to be Tim Boyle from day one. He never uh, you know, relented that and Love never showed any signs in OTA minicamp, training camp, et cetera, his rookie year of being able to challenge Boyle, even for the backup job. His second year, you could tell there was a step progression. You could tell he was ready to compete for a backup job and, and you know, be the backup and those sort of things. It, it still did, it still looked a far way away from anywhere near a starting caliber quarterback. Last year in OTAs, you saw, you saw more signs. He was clearly the number one backup quarterback and probably even ready to, you know, step in for Aaron for a game or two if that was needed and hopefully win a game or two if that was needed. There was a, de- a definite progression there. And then this year, I would say the exact same thing. Over year three, where he was a season ago in OTAs, He just looks so much more calm, more confident, more in control of the offense. Like everything in that 
aspect just looks so much different. His mechanics look so much better. If you watch him in individual drills, like that's that's where you start to be like, okay, like he's really started to put everything together. Now, on the flip side of that, there's clearly some things that he still needs to work on. He's thrown into double coverage on a couple different occasions, intercepted by Darnell Savage, intercepted by Tavarius Moore, a couple of missed throws. Now, on one of those, Jaden Reed had mentioned that he had actually slipped on the play, which messed up the timing. A lot of those different things can happen. A lot of those situations can be things that you try out in practice in an OTA setting and know that maybe, hey, I'm not going to rip that ball in a game setting. But in the last play of an OTA, maybe I'll take a shot down the field in a two-minute drill. Those are all part of the learning curve for Jordan Love. It's nothing that I'm super concerned about at the moment, but it's still certainly things that he is going to have to continue to work on and learn from and make sure that those things do not happen. I talked about it yesterday. If you didn't you know, listen to yesterday's episode, check it out. I gave a statistic there of just how important the turnover battle has been for Green Bay in the Matt LaFleur era. And yes, turnover battle is always insanely important. I get that, understand that, but it has been even supercharged in the Matt LaFleur era for the Green Bay Packers. Limiting turnovers is going to be huge for Jordan Love. And we're already starting to see a couple of those interceptions rear their ugly head in OTA. So he certainly needs to work on that. On the other side, again, I thought his hard count sounds fantastic. His cadence is fantastic. You can tell he's really put a lot of time, effort, and energy into that. He Again, it just feels like he's you know so much more in control and confident in those type of situations. His chemistry with Romeo Dobbs has been fantastic. You can tell they worked a lot in the offseason. You can tell that there is a comfort level there with his wide receiver. And the other thing that's been really uh, a nice, you know, not unexpected surprise, but a pleasant surprise nonetheless, is his propensity to work the middle of the field more. And part of that is going to come maybe with a little bit more risk. And we've seen that with a couple interceptions thrown, but we've also seen him rip some balls in stride. Luke Musgrave on a deep, you know, crossing route down the middle of the field, a lot of slants, a lot of crossers, a lot of things that Aaron Rodgers started to avoid a little bit later in his career. And it really took away, I think, a big weapon for this Packers offense. And we're starting to see Jordan Love start opening that back up. And with guys like a Luke Musgrave, I think that's going to be a really important progression for this offense. And that was something that I was really excited to see with Jordan Love as well. So I would say, as I mentioned, exactly sort of as I envisioned this OTA going. And we'll see if he can take another step. Now, remember on the last week of OTAs, Matt LaFleur said that something seemed to click for Jordan Love, that there was a huge progression in that week and that he really noticed something. So hopefully that continues to carry over into mini camps as well. And you can see again, him just sort of slowing down the process a little bit, which is exciting as well, but some really, you know, some high highs and some really impressive plays, a couple really bad throws, some, you know, that he ideally like to have back, but that's all in the part of the progression as a first-time starter. And for those of you that are concerned about some of the interceptions, I will say this, the most, you know, interception-averse quarterback of all time in the history of the world, Aaron Rodgers, he would rip some of those balls down the middle of the field in OTAs and mini camps and training camps, just trying to see, again, what he could get away with and maybe make a couple of those riskier decisions in practice. It never carried over to the games. There was never a issue clearly with him having interceptions in the game. So there would be a lot of times where early in the, you know, in OTAs, mini camps, training camps, et cetera, you'd be like, man, Rodgers is throwing a, you know, a few more picks than we're used to seeing. I wonder if the defense is going to be great, or I wonder if Rodgers is, you know, maybe coming down. No, it was just him, you know, trying to 
some things in practice, which is what you want, quite frankly, from your quarterbacks in practice. So I wouldn't put too much, you know, emphasis on it, but I do think there's been a lot of positives, some negatives, and it's exactly, like I said, as expected from Jordan Love so far, but within the idea that there has been a steady progression from year one to year two to year three, and now to year four, which is exactly what you want to see from your first time starting quarterback. All right. Number three, uh, my third biggest takeaway from OTAs is that so far, and put whatever asterisk you want next to it because it's in shorts and a t-shirt and the, the pads aren't on and it's still relatively early. That all is relevant. But so far, this rookie class is very exciting and is as advertised so far. Luke Musgrave, uh, I'll start with him, who has been the most exciting, the one that's been living rent-free in my head just out of the possibilities of what he could bring to the team. He is fast. He is tall. He is athletic. He's got a great catch radius. He's got phenomenal body control, great hands. You can see all of these things just oozing out of Luke Musgrave. And it's so, you know, just easy to get so excited about what he could potentially bring to the team. Now, we know how hard it is to play tight end in the NFL, especially for a rookie. And we've seen some you know, some issues with Musgrave as well. There's been part of those rookie mistakes. I saw him get blown up twice in basically almost like back-to-back plays in the running game where he just got shoved into the, you know, backfield, uh, you know, from the line of scrimmage. So that's going to be something that he has to continue to work on. He had a drop in the end zone from, you know, Jordan Love on a great play by Jordan Love in which Love diagnosed the blitz and was able to get the ball out, rolled to his right, hit Musgrave. It looked like it hit him in the hands. It looked like it was a drop. Probably should have been a touchdown. Just some rookie stuff from Musgrave. So it's not a complete story yet. There's still things that he needs to work on as well, but man, is the talent enticing. It is so easy to get excited about. So that's the one that jumps off the page right there with him is Lucas Van Ness. And that's another player that you just see just chock full of potential and it's already starting to come together. You know, him resetting the line of scrimmage, him going down along the defensive line. And yes, it was against Royce Newman, but him being able to hold up at the point of attack and then shed the block and go make a play. Those are things that you're excited about. His ability to come off the edge and just, you know, read the run. There's a play against Yash Nyman where he read run on a play action, recognized quickly that it was a play action pass ripped through the block of Yash Naiman, exploded to the quarterback on a potential would-be sack had somebody from the other side not got there a little bit quicker. But you could see just the raw athleticism that he had too and just exploding to the quarterback. There's a play where he was unblocked. And yes, it's an unblocked play, but just when when you're unblocked and it's that little rollout and how many times have we seen Aaron Rodgers just, you know, dump it over the oncoming edge rusher, you know, throw a sidearm or whatever. You could tell, I forget if it was Clifford or if it was, you know, I forget which quarterback it, it ultimately was on the play, but you could tell all of a sudden they turn around, they, they fake the handoff and he turns around and all of a sudden Lucas Van Ness is there. Like he is just there. And like, you could tell the quarterback was like, oh, let me just try to dump it over him. And then, you know, six, five Luke Van Ness hands in the air. It's like, oh crap, he could easily bat this in the ball, bat this ball in the air. And may, you know, maybe there's a turnover out of this. So then it's like, he tried to get outside. It's like, nope, he's too fast for you too. And just seeing that size and that explosiveness and that range and all of it. Yes, it's unblocked, but it was, it's a different unblocked. I, I promise you, I don't think Kingsley and Igbari, who's a good football player would have had that same level of impact and intensity coming unblocked off the edge on that play. So just some exciting plays that we've seen on tape or not on tape, but on the field from Luke Van Ness already and just stuff that I'm very, very excited about that I think is going to translate to Sundays, Mondays, Thursdays, etc. 
Jaden Reed, a little bit less. Uh, you know, you can see the athleticism, you can see the speed, hasn't done as much in team drills. You could see him and Jordan Love just weren't on the same page on a couple throws and those sort of things. Still very excited about him. And you can see um, just in the route running, the hands, the, the you know, those sort of things that there's a lot of potential there, but I think still work to be done with Jaden Reed. And I'm really excited to watch him in minicamp a little bit more. Tucker Craft missed some OTA practices, but he came back on the last one and you know looked the part already. He made a couple nice catches in team drills and just really excited to see him continue to progress as well. It, it's funny because I posted a video with Musgrave and Craft back to back. And Musgrave, it, it's the same route. And they make a little, you know, head bob to the outside and then cut to the corner. And Musgrave is just so smooth with it. Like just so insanely smooth. And everyone's like, well, Musgrave's great. And like, you know, Kraft is a little bit more clumsy, a little bit slower, a little bit not as agile and things like that. And it's like, yeah, kind of, but it's more a huge compliment to Musgrave and how smooth he made it look. We have to remember that these are tight ends. Like Musgrave ran it like freaking Christian Watson, basically. Like, uh, you know, Tucker Kraft, you know what he looked like? He looked like a tight end. And sometimes, you know, with with Musgrave, that sleek build, that, that ability to just run like a gazelle down the field that's going to really help him in pass catching, right? But some of that stuff is going to have him not hold up quite as well at the point of attack as a blocker. With Tucker Kraft, you have to remember some of those guys are maybe just a little bit wider, a little bit thicker, have a little bit more you know, weight on them. Maybe it's not quite as gazelle-like running down the field, not quite as agile that's okay. Most tight ends don't have that. Most tight ends have a little bit more bulk on them and it's going to be just a tad bit more clunky than what Luke Musgrave did running down the field. That's okay. I still thought Luke, or excuse me, that Tucker Kraft looked incredibly agile on the play. It's just that you're watching him next to this freak in Luke Musgrave and it doesn't make it, it looks unflattering to, to Tucker Kraft, but it's not at all. Tucker Kraft ran the route extremely well. And yeah, that there's going to be a little bit more of a methodical approach than what Musgrave had, but Musgrave Graves just a unique, different guy, and that's shown up already with the speed and the athleticism. But really excited about Tucker Craft as well. Colby Wooden, he's the number four defensive lineman already, and he's looked the part. The effort's been what I've been really impressed by. When I watched him on tape in college, it was like sort of hot and cold. I've, I've seen only hot so far out of Colby Wooden, and I you can tell he's taking this very seriously. You can tell he's approaching this as a pro, and I'm really excited to see what he's going to be able to bring this year. Sean Clifford's running two-minute drills and you know walking his team down the field on like, what, 11, 12-play drives for a touchdown? Um, Dontavian Wicks, unfortunately, hasn't been with the OTAs, at least the last two. I can't remember if he was at the first one or not. We saw him in rookie mini camps, and I was impressed by him, but you know, unfortunately had a little bit of an injury issue lately, so I haven't seen a ton of him. Carl Brooks had a sack in one of the open uh, OTA sessions, and he's looked the part as well. Excited what he can do. I think there's a chance that he can be a bigger edge player on rundowns and maybe an interior pass rusher on passing downs. Excited to see what they do there. Anders Carlson, we did not get to see kick, but he is projecting to be kicker one at this point. Carrington Valentine had a phenomenal day in the third OTA practice, shutting down Romeo Dobbs on a, a, a little out route where he had a gorgeous pass breakup. The other play, he exploded to Dobbs. It ended up in an incomplete pass, a little bit behind Dobbs, hit, kind of hit him in the hands, kind of a drop, kind of not. But I wasn't really caring about any of that because Carrington Valentine had great coverage and exploded to the wide receiver on the play, which was exciting to me. Haven't seen a ton from Lou Nichols. Um, we'll see if he can maybe take a step in mini camps. Anthony Johnson Jr. though had a gorgeous pass breakup over the middle of the field. 
Grant Dubose has unfortunately been injured, but you take a look at that rookie class as a whole, and there has been a ton of positive takeaways already. And I'm really excited to see what they can do in minicamp and then eventually in uh, you know training camp, preseason, and then even going into the season, obviously, as well. And speaking of those rookies, Lucas Van Ness, uh, Colby Wooden and Carl Brooks, all shout outs from Matt LaFleur. Uh, he was asked basically, you know, I think it was Wildy who basically said, hey, we're not here for the majority of these who have been some rookies that from rookie mini camps to OTAs have really taken a step and impressed you. He called out Lucas Van Ness, Colby Wooden and Carl Brooks specifically as players that have stood out to him. So great to hear that as well. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, everybody. Here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game, and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses, and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly, and I've loved Oakley style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them, and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. Number four on my list, though, is it wasn't just the rookies. There were some undrafted free agents, uh, you know, rookie undrafted free agents, so I guess still rookies, but not draft picks. Some undrafted free agents that also stood out. Bretton Cox was another one of those players that Matt LaFleur shouted out. So it was the three, you know, pass rushing, you know, interior defensive line rookies, but it was also Brenton Cox, an edge player as well, who would have been drafted if it weren't for him basically getting kicked out of two different programs in his college career. So great to hear that he is standing out already as well. And there are two wide receivers that I think have been pretty impressive as undrafted free agents also, and Malik Heath and Deuce Watts, specifically Malik Heath, who made a pretty impressive catch at just about every single OTA practice that we've seen so far. And in, was impressive in the rookie mini camps as well. So Malik Heath, Deuce, Deuce Watts, 
and Brenton Cox making some noise from the undrafted rookies as well. So not only that, what is it, 12-player drafted class that has been showing out, but a handful of the undrafted free agents have been making some noise already as well. Number five on my list is that fifth offensive line spot. It seems so far like Bakhtiari is going to play left tackle. Jenkins is going to play left guard. Myers is going to be the center. John Runyon Jr. is going to be the right guard. And that Zach Tom and Yash Nyman are going to battle things out for that fifth and final offensive line spot at the right tackle position. Now, Yash has only practiced at right tackle, at least as far as I have seen. And Zach Tom has gotten some time at center, at right guard, at right tackle, etc. So I think they want to keep that versatility for Zach Tom alive. And whereas Yash is probably just going to attack, you know, mostly practice that tackle. You do wonder if there is some idea that Zach Tom could just be the super sub, meaning you go with Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Myers, Runyon, and Yash. And if any of those five go out, Zach Tom. If Bakhtiari goes down, Zach Tom left tackle. If Elton Jenkins goes down, Zach Tom left guard. Josh Myers, Zach Tom center. John Runyon Jr., Zach Tom right guard. Yash Nyman, Zach Tom right tackle. So it's just you have your starting five and then Zach Tom is the super sub. Or if anyone just is struggling throughout the game, if, if all of a sudden Yash is struggling against someone, Zach Tom comes in. If if Myers is struggling, hey, let's give Zach Tom a shot. You do wonder if maybe they, they test that direction and then allow Zach Tom to practice in all five of those spots throughout the course of the week and just make sure that he's ready to go. That's within the realm of possibility. I think in the the more likely case is that they just let Tom and Yash basically battle it out and who's ever better is going to be the starter. And if all of a sudden somebody else goes down, all right, then it's Yash right tackle and they just move Zach Tom wherever they need to move him. But you know, at the end of the day, it does seem like those two are the ones that are ultimately fighting for that fifth and final spot. We did see Zach get Tom, Zach Tom get time, Zach get time at right guard. So maybe John Running Jr. could feel a little bit heat in during training camp and mini camps if that continues to happen. We have seen Zach Tom get some time at center. So maybe Josh Myers starts to feel a little bit of heat if he doesn't practice well. But as of right now, it certainly seems like it's Zach Tom and Yash Nyman for that fifth and final offensive line spot. Number six on my list is Romeo Dobbs and that he is the clear leader in the clubhouse of second year jumps so far. Matt LaFleur mentioned that he has violent cuts, violent routes, and mentioned that he's shown a lot of progress and quote, he's done unbelievable things throughout the course of these OTAs. Two players that have been living rent-free in my head since OTAs have been done. Luke Musgrave is one, even though there have been some hiccups for Musgrave as well, but Musgrave is one, Romeo Dobbs has been two. And, you know, we were all excited about Romeo last year. You know, he clearly had a role within the offense very early, then had some injury issues, got back and just, you know, never, I don't feel feel like he feel like he fully got in a rhythm, easy for me to say. Uh, Throughout the course of the season, there were flashes, there were moments, there was exciting times, but this felt like a different Romeo Dobbs. This felt like a much more confident Romeo Dobbs. And Matt LaFleur mentioned as well, this guy is constantly working on his craft. And you can tell, you can tell that his releases are better. You can tell that his route running is better. There's a play that he made in the corner of the end zone for a touchdown where he went up and skied for a ball and made a beautiful sort of like back shoulder-ish, corner-ish route type catch that I don't think he goes up and makes that play a season ago. So the improvement and the increase in just talent and I would say abilities for Romeo Dobbs has been on display add that in with the fact that he's worked with Jordan Love and Love has seemingly had an extra layer of confidence with Romeo Dobbs as well, you can tell that everything's trending in the right direction. And like I said, of all the second year players, Romeo Dobbs is the far away leader in the clubhouse for taking the biggest jump from year one to year two so far. 
Number seven is attendance. And I think this is a pretty big takeaway as well. There were only three players, only three players that we did not see at any of the open OTAs to the media. And to be clear, we have no idea if they were at any of the other six OTAs. It's possible that they were at all six. It's possible that they were at none. It's possible that these three players had phenomenal reasons for not being at OTAs. We don't know. It's possible that they weren't at any. It's possible that who knows, like all, we, we just don't know. But the only three players that were not there and just just a reminder, it is not mandatory, but the only three players that were not there were Jair Alexander, Razul Douglas, and Jonathan Garvin. The only three that we did not see at at least one of the open OTA practices, which means 87 out of the 90 players were at least there for some portion of OTAs and at least there for one practice that we were there open to the media. So that is great attendance and Matt LaFleur and company have to be extremely excited about the level of participation that they received from their entire roster, 87 out of 90 you know, Packers that we saw there and the three practices that were open. Number eight, Rudy Ford and Tavarius Moore seem to be the leaders in the clubhouse so far for the number two safety spot. Darnell Savage looks like he's going to be safety number one. Rudy Ford, Tavarius Moore rotating back and forth as that second safety. Could Anthony Johnson Jr., Jonathan Owens, you know, I don't think of Dallin Levitt, but could, you know, some of these guys potentially get in the conversation as well? Yeah. You know, I think that's definitely within the realm of conversation. But as of right now, Rudy Ford, Tavarius Moore, definitely the Innis Gaines could be another one. But uh, Ford and Moore seem to be the two that are battling it out for that starting spot. Moore had a great interception the other day. You know, uh, per Matt Lafleur, is also you know uh, punched out a couple balls in practice as well. So Green Bay is going to need some of those playmaking turnover. You know capable defenders in the defensive backfield to various more making those plays already. I've been fairly impressed with what I've seen from him. Rudy Ford just basically picking up right where he left off. And when Green Bay picked him up a season ago, he was going to be a special teams guy only. And then by the end of the year, he was starting over Darnell Savage and you know really you know made an impact, made some big plays and had an opportunity to continue to play throughout the course of the season at that safety spot. And he's picking up right where he left off. So that's going to be a very interesting battle to keep an eye on. And like I said, Maybe a, a Gaines and Anthony Johnson Jr. A Jonathan Owens can get their name in the conversation as well. But right now, seems like it's going to be Ford into various more battling that out. Number nine. I think Tyler Davis looks better, quite frankly. He looks a little bit more built. He looks sleek. He looks faster. Like he just looks like a more well-rounded tight end. And what that amounts to, who knows? Could he end up being the odd guy out if they want to keep just three tight ends and Deguara and the two rookies? Yeah, that's possible. Like, could he legitimately take a step and get his name in the conversation for some legitimate playing time? That's within the realm of possibility as well. Josiah Deguara was working out with the fullback um, you room, I guess, group, the, the two fullbacks on the roster, including himself. Um, so I think they still envision him as like sort of that move piece, that H-back fullback kind of tight end, which is what he is. And then you have really the two rookie tight ends. The next guy is Tyler Davis. It would not surprise me at all if the four tight ends were DeGuara, Davis, and the two rookies coming out of camp. And I think Davis could get his name in the conversation for some playing time sooner rather than later. If guys like Musgrave and Kraft have struggles picking up the offense, if they struggle in pass protection, if they struggle run blocking, those are things that could handicap those guys and really make it difficult for them getting on the field. So you really want to see, you know, guys that are capable of doing a little bit of everything. If Tyler Davis is legitimately taking a step, he could poach some of those snaps. I'm not saying that's best case scenario. I'm not saying that I'm hoping that Luke Musgrave and Tyler Kraft aren't on the field. Clearly, I want those guys to play and I want them to excel, but I am excited by the fact that Tyler Davis has seemingly taken a step and looks better this year as well. 
Number 10 is there are two second year players who are getting some snaps at new spots. We've covered Tariq Carpenter in the past. He had mentioned in the offseason that he was going to work at linebacker solely. This was our first opportunity to really get a look at what he looks like at linebacker. He looks like he fits the part. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that there could be a package where this former safety gets on the field in some linebacker positions where he's kind of like a, you know, sort of that hybrid safety linebacker, maybe more of a coverage linebacker. I think that's going to be worth keeping an eye on. And then Sean Ryan got some snaps at center. This is more of a cross training thing. And I think, you know, moving some guys around and seeing the more that you can do, the better. But Sean Ryan had a really rough rookie season. He also was suspended. This year, he had an awful holding play on the third OTA session that would have wiped out a touchdown had it happened in a game. So those are things that he needs to continue to clean up. But you can tell they're trying to maybe find that spot for Sean Ryan that's going to work for him as well. So Sean Ryan, Tariq Carpenter, both getting work at new spots this offseason. Number 11, Keyshawn Nixon is going to bring the energy and I am so excited to see him blitz off the slot. They used him in that role uh, quite a bit in the third OTA practice and I just can't wait. I think he's going to bring a lot of intensity, a lot of energy, a lot of physicality. Like he, they're in that slot star position there is a unique skill set that's needed. You have to have the coverage ability. You have to have the um, the run stopping ability. You have to be able to hold up in you know against tight ends in the running game. Like there, there's a lot of different things that are needed. And Charles Woodson is like the one A of all time of players who play that spot. Like that is the ideal player for that position. Jalen Ramsey's probably the the next in line as as players that are just born to play that role. But on top of needing the coverage skills, the run stopping, the blitzing, all of those things, there's also a mentality that goes with that position. Keyshawn Nixon has that mentality. And I'm so excited to see what he can do in a full season as the potential star corner. He is a star. We started a season ago. We saw that he is a all pro kick returner an all pro punt returner, and he's probably going to continue doing that as well. But I think he has more to offer in that star position. And that is one that I'm going to be looking forward to watching how it progresses this off season and going into the season. And last but not least, number 12, AJ Dillon looking a little bit more spry. He's been open about it. Like he needs to make more plays. He needs to be a bigger playmaker. He needs to get past that first wave and start getting to the second line of defense and then making plays against the second line of defense. We need to see AJ Dillon running over safeties and corners in the secondary. But if he can't get through that first wave, he can't start running you know, people over and hitting people with stiff arms and you know having corners and safeties making business you know decisions on the second level. He's got to get through that first line first. In these OTAs, I've seen him with a little bit of, I saw a cut, like a juke move from AJ Dillon that I've never seen from him. Not in all the tape that I watched from him at Boston College, not in anything that I've seen in Green Bay. He made a little cut inside and then juked outside. I'm like, who? AJ Dillon? AJ Dillon did that? Uh, he had a couple really nice runs to the left side uh, in practice in the third OTA session, just looking a little bit more spry. And I think he knows that he needs to make more plays. This is a fourth season for him, which means it's a contract year for him. He wants to be a playmaker. He wants to show the rest of the league that he can be a big time running back. I think we're going to see a little bit more juice from AJ Dillon this upcoming season. So those are my key takeaways. I thought overall, very successful in what we saw from these first practices. I think the highlight, if I had to choose one, has been the play of these rookies so far. And like I said, a long way to go, job not done. There is a ton of work to do for these rookies just to get on the field, much less make an impact. But I think if you're looking for first impressions and just things to be excited about, this rookie class has definitely been that. So to recap really quick, my 12 key takeaways from OTAs that at least were open to us, 
Bakhtiari participating in team drills. Love has been as expected so far with taking a step from OTA season three to OTA season four. The rookie class has been extremely exciting. Some uh, undrafted free agents making noise as well. Zach Tom, Yash Nyman seem to be competing for that fifth and final offensive tackles for offensive line spot, I should say. Romeo Dobbs, the second year jump. Jair Douglas Garvin, the only three that we did not see in any of the practices. Rudy Ford, Tavarius Moore, the leaders for safety number two. Tyler Davis looks like he's taken a step. Second year players in new spots, including Sean Ryan and Tariq Carpenter. Keyshawn Nixon looks like he is fitting the spot at that slot corner position. Excited to see him blitzing off the edge. And AJ Dillon looking a bit more spry. Those are my key takeaways. Hope you enjoyed it. I'll be right back here tomorrow with an all new episode. And then we will be breaking down mini camps and everything that happens at those mini camp practices. So again, if you have not subscribed already, please make sure to do so. I'll see you guys tomorrow. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. 